In Mark chapter 5, beginning with verse 21, this is our passage of Scripture this morning. A little bit lengthy passage, but I want to read it to us because it has so many precious goodies that will help us understand the message, be not afraid, only believe. When Jesus was passed over again by ship unto the other side, much people gathered unto him, and he was nigh unto the sea. And behold, there cometh one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name. And when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet and besought him greatly, saying, My little daughter lieth at the point of death. I pray thee, come and lay thy hands on her, that she may be healed and she shall live. And Jesus went with him, and much people followed him and thronged him. And a certain woman, which had an issue of blood twelve years, and had suffered many things of many physicians, had spent all that she had, and was nothing bettered, but rather grew worse. When she had heard of Jesus, came in the press behind and touched his garment. For she said, if I may, te- if I may touch his clothes, I shall be well. One of the other Gospels has that, if I but touch the hem of his garment, I will be well. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and said, Who touched my clothes? And his disciples said unto him, Thou seest the multitude thronging thee, and sayest thou who touched me? And he looked round about to see her that had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. And he said unto her, Daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace, and be whole of thy plague. While he yet spake, that came from the ruler of the synagogue's house, certain which said, Thy daughter is dead. Why troublest thou the master any further? As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he saith unto the ruler of the synagogue, Be not afraid, only believe. And he suffered no man to follow him, save Peter and James and John, the brother of James. And he cometh to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, and seeth the tumult, and them that wept and wailed greatly. And when he was come in, he saith unto them, Why make ye this ado, and weep? The damsel is not dead, but sleepeth. And they laughed him to scorn. But when he had put them all out, he taketh the father and the mother of the damsel, and them that were with him, and entereth in where the damsel was lying. And he took the girl by the hand and said unto her, Talitha kumi, which is being interpreted, Damsel, I say unto thee, arise. And straightway the damsel arose and walked, for she was of the age of twelve years. And they were astonished with a great astonishment. And he charged them straightly that no man should know it, and commanded that something should be given to her to eat. Be not afraid, only believe. The Gospel of Mark is divided into 16 chapters. 
We've been studying this chapter by chapter. In chapter one, we dealt with the gospel, its power, its preparation, its plan. Then he called the disciples. He healed Peter's wife's mother. He taught the disciples to pray. He healed the leper. He healed the paralyzed man. He called sinners to serve. He spoke of four types of hearers. Those that have soil in their heart like the hardened ground or rocky ground. Those whose soil in their heart was only a little deep and underneath was hard bedrock. Those whose heart soul was filled with briars and thorns and when the word came it was choked out. And then those who had a ground that was was prepared, a preparation ground, and they received the word with gladness. Then in chapter 5, we read about the man who was possessed by the devil, and Jesus healed the man, and some of the people in the city came out and said, we'd rather have the hogs than heaven. And then we come to the story of Jairus and his daughter. Now, Jairus was a ruler. He was a very important person, which reminds us that hurt and sorrow and death come to all types of people. God doesn't just look on one type of people and give them all the hurt, though they suffer a great deal, but all of us are going to pass through these troubled waters. If trouble has not come to you, it's on its way. There's not one person exempt from trouble. And this ruler in the synagogue was the subject of great trouble. He had a 12-year-old daughter who was very, very sick. The synagogue ruler didn't really know Jesus, but he knew about him. And when Jesus came along, he overcame his timidity and his pride, and he said, Master, would you come to my house? If you would just touch my daughter, she would be well again. What a faith. What a faith. And so Jesus went with Jairus to the daughter's house. But on the way, he met another woman, a woman who had an issue of blood. She had had this for 12 years and had gone to every doctor. She had used all of her funds, and she was no better. She was just growing worse. And she thought to herself, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, he could heal me. And so she looked to see nobody was looking. And in the rush of that crowd, if you should ever go to Jerusalem, old Jerusalem, you would see the masses of people that go up and down those streets. Crowds. There's no way to escape somebody bristling against you. And all of a sudden, Jesus stopped and said, somebody touched me. And the disciples rebuked him and said, well, look at all this crowd. What do you mean somebody touched you? But Jesus knew the difference in a touch and a touch. You know, when we touch Jesus, we reach out and ask him to help us. He has never refused to help us. 
Now, God knows best. He knows the way that is wise. We don't know that way. We would say, Lord, do it another way. Lord, we don't like what we're receiving. This woman had the faith to reach out and touch the hem of his garment. And when Jesus said, who touched me? The woman knew what had happened in her heart. She knew she was healed. And she came and knelt before the Lord and, and said, it, it is I. And she told him about herself. And Jesus said to her, daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Do you imagine that? Faith is the victory. We sang at the early part of the service this morning, encamped along the hills of light, ye Christian soldiers rise and press the battle ere the night shall veil the glowing skies. Faith is the victory. And she reached out and touched the Lord and God gave her healing. Now, God doesn't always heal when we ask him to. Someone wrote, po wrote a poem, the shadows deepen and my heart bleeds. I will not question the way God leads. This side of heaven we know in part. I will not question a broken heart. We'll talk it over in the by and by. We'll talk it over, my Lord and I. I'll ask the reasons. He'll tell me why when we've talked it over in the by and by. How often we have to sing that song to ourselves. Not everyone is healed when they ask, but we have to trust the Lord that God knows the wise plan. He knows what is best. Well, Jesus began again to go with Jairus to the home of his daughter. But on the way, somebody met him and said, you don't need to trouble the master. Your daughter's dead. No use in his coming now, it's too late. Now notice Jesus had been interrupted. And perhaps Jairus thought in his mind, if the Lord had not stopped and helped that woman, he could have gotten there in time to heal my daughter. The scripture doesn't tell us that, but human nature would say he might have felt that way. But when the news came that the daughter was dead, Jesus said, be of good cheer. Be not afraid. Don't be afraid. Only believe. All the way through the scripture, we read that truth. Only believe all things are possible. And so Jesus went to the home of Jairus. And when he got there, he knew in his heart what he would do. The Lord always knows best. And they were mourning and groaning and they were hurt and they were tears. And Jesus said, why are you making such an ado? The damsel is not dead, she's only sleeping. And they laughed him to scorn. They just laughed at him. Do you know when Jesus speaks to our hearts, many, many times our human nature sort of laughs inside and says, God, you didn't really know best. You didn't know what was wise. But the humble heart has to come to a point where we say, not our will, but thine be done. And so Jairus was willing to accept whatever happened. Well, Jesus went to the home. He put out everybody. That is, he put out those who had no faith. Remember to surround yourself with people of faith.
not with cynics and people who have no faith. And he took Peter, James, and John, and the mother and daddy, and he went up to the room where the sick girl lay, and she was dead. And Jesus just spoke to her. He said to her, Talitha Kuma, damsel, I say unto thee, arise. And the girl got up and was alive. And they were all shocked and amazed. And Jesus said, give her something to eat. She'll be all right. Now we learn a lot of lessons from this. When sorrow comes and hurt comes, and when the trouble comes, what are we to do about it? You know, there are two anecdotes to depression and hurt. One is thanksgiving, and the other is giving. They both blend themselves together in the word that we use for thanksgiving. And when we are thankful in our hearts, and we give, these things help us come out of the spirit of depression. I think of the early days of American history. It was on September the 8th, 1620, that the little band of people got on the Mayflower and crossed the Atlantic. They arrived here on November the 10th, 1620, a two months journey across the rough waters of the Atlantic. When they came, they tried to set up shop, so to speak. They had never been here before. There was no colony here. They began to trade with the Indians and they raised a crop. But they had come at a very, very difficult time in the weather. November, December, and January are tough months and February. And it snowed and it rained and the temperature was down into freezing weather. Half the people that had come on the Mayflower died that winter. The next November, those who were left of that group gathered together for a Thanksgiving. The first Thanksgiving day in American history. And Thanksgiving is indeed an American day. There are nations all over the world that have some type of Thanksgiving. We got it from the Jews. And they got it from the passage in Deuteronomy, the Thanksgiving time when the crops were all in. So much of American history is rooted in biblical truths. And if we could only remember that, our judges are forgetting it. Do you know why there are people being persecuted around the world today? Listen carefully. Do you know why? Do you know why the early believers were persecuted? They refused to accept governmental injunctions on their hearts. The leader said, Peter and John, don't speak anymore in the name of Jesus. They put him in jail. The next morning he was out, and they were out on the streets witnessing again for Jesus. They were arrested again. They said, did we not tell you to not speak in the name of Jesus anymore? And you know what Peter and John said? We must obey God rather than man. The reason people are being persecuted for their faith today, it's true in Indonesia, it's true in China, it's true in Burma, it's true in some sections of the old Soviet empire, 
It's true in Iraq. It was true in Afghanistan. And to some degree, it's true in America. People are being persecuted for their faith because they refuse to let government injunctions rule in their heart. They say we must obey God rather than man. During the past few weeks, we've read the tragedy of Judge Moore, a judge who was elected by the people to the Supreme Court of Alabama. The Alabama Constitution indicated that the Alabama Constitution was based on the truth of God. And when they told him to remove the Ten Commandments, he said, I'm obeying the injunction of our covenant in the Constitution of Alabama. I'm not going to remove those Ten Commandments. They're part of God's law. Now, there are some little petty Christians who would say, well, he ought to obey the law of the land. Do you know why people are persecuted today? I want to remind you. Because they refuse to obey the law of the land that in interferes with the law of God in their hearts. You may face the same thing. There could come a day in America when you will face the same thing. A judge recently in Massachusetts ruled that same-sex marriage was valid. And someone has written in an editorial I wrote, read recently that if this becomes the law of the land, they could persecute preachers who refuse to marry same-sex couples. Now, where would this lead to among Bible-believing preachers? Can you see hundreds of Bible-believing preachers being put in jail because they refuse the law of the land when it interferes with the law of God? This is something Americans everywhere must think through. Our first Thanksgiving in November of 1621, that little band of survivors of the terrible winter gathered together to ask the Lord's blessings and to thank Him. Some of their mothers were dead. Some of their wives were dead. Some of their children were dead. Some of their loved ones were gone. But they gathered together to say, thank you, Lord. Thanksgiving is an anecdote to the spirit of depression. When we have thanksgiving in our hearts, God blesses us. We thank the Lord for our heritage. We thank the Lord for our loved ones. We thank the Lord for our friends. We thank the Lord for His providential goodness to us. Everyone in this room has something for which to thank the Lord. And as we come to Thanksgiving season, we can say, thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. Thank you, Lord, for making me whole. Thank you, Lord, for giving to me thy great salvation so rich and free. In this text, we're not told how Jarius felt. Maybe he was amazed like the others, but I'm sure. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Now, when we can say thank you, Lord, for the good things, 
How about saying, thank you, Lord, for the hurtful things that come to us? What kind of lessons do you want, want to teach me as I go through this dark valley? What do you want to say to me? How can you strengthen my character? And even this, when my faith is almost collapsed and I feel my faith would falter. And Lord, I, I want to take your hand and I'm going to hold your hand and I know you'll hold me fast and the Lord will guide us through this wilderness. My Lord knows the way through the wilderness. All I have to do is follow. He knows best. And then giving, thanksgiving. Somebody wrote a poem about those early people that crossed in the Mayflower. The breaking waves dashed high on a stern and rock-bound coast. And the woods against a stormy sky, their giant branches tossed. And the heavy night hung dark, the hills and waters o'er, when a band of exiles moored their bark on the wild New England shore. Not as the conqueror comes, they the true-hearted came, not with the roll of stirring drums and the trumpet that sings of fame, not as the flying come in silence and in fear, they shook the depths of the desert gloom with their hymns of lofty cheer. What sought they thus afar? Bright jewels of the mind, the wealth of seas, the spoils of war. They sought a faith's pure shrine. We call it holy ground, the soil where they first trod. They have left unstained what here they found, freedom to worship God. And we can thank the Lord for God's goodness to us in past years. But then giving is the other anecdote for our depression and hurt and sorrow and tears. No man was ever the loser because he was generous. I've known many of you who have been generous. You have given and given and given and given. You gave of your love. You gave of your funds. You gave of your time. You gave of your strength. The one who gives will be rich in love. He'll be rich in friends. He'll be rich in help. He'll be rich toward God. It is the happy giver, giver that God loves. He loves a cheerful giver. That doesn't only refer to giving to the Lord's money, the Lord's funds. It means when you give love, God loves it. When you give service, God loves it. Nobody on earth loves like a mother loves her son or daughter. And when a mother showers that love on her loved one, God looks over from heaven and says, thank you. You're doing on earth what I do in heaven and you become wealthy in your soul, even though that loved one may be taken away, God's love to you is richer than ever. And you can just lean back on the promises of God and know that God takes care. God can give more than the substance. He'll give the spirit with which to give. Giving does something for others. Giving does something for ourselves. Giving does something 
as our example. And give, giving does something for God. So you cannot outgive God. God will be no man's debtor. You give of your funds, God will take it and bless you. You give of your sons to serve the Lord and God will bless you. You give of your love to minister to others and God will minister to you. And he'll give you that strength to keep on giving. Some people have said, well, I don't see how they can keep on giving like that when uh, maybe there's not much sense of appreciation. God gives you that ability to keep on giving and keep on loving until you have nothing left to give. And then you call on the resources of God and God gives you more ability and more strength to keep on giving. That's what is meant by Thanksgiving. As we meet this Thursday, Thanksgiving Day, we meet around tables of love and food and plenty. We want to pause and say, thank you, Lord. Thank you for the tears. Thank you for the tough times. Thank you for helping me through this difficult time. Thank you for America. Thank you for our founding fathers. Thank you for a president who is trying to rule as a believer in Christ. Thank you for officials who are trying to storm the gates of sin and help America once more take a stand for the truth. Thank you, Lord, for my church. Thank you for my mother, my daddy. Thank you for my sister and brother. Thank you for my children. Thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. Now, God, give us a thanksgiving heart. That's what we all need, a heart of love, a heart of thanksgiving. And as we give ourselves again and again to the Lord and trust Him, then He'll give us the strength to give more. Now, the one big thing that God wants, more than anything else, He loves our songs of praise. He loves for us to read the Bible. He loves for us to go to church. He loves for us to be faithful to our family. He loves all of that. But the one thing that pleases heaven more than anything else is for us to put our trust in Jesus. Jesus is God's only son. He is actually God himself who came to tabernacle among men. And he died on an old rugged cross. He took the sins of the world, my sins and your sins. He poured his life out on the cross for us. And when we come to him and say, Lord, I believe, help thy mine unbelief. I ask you to be my savior, my Lord. I give you my heart. I trust you as my savior. Then all heaven is blessed. And the Bible says in Isaiah 53, when he shall see your soul placed on the altar for Christ, and you make Christ a substitute offering for your sins, all heaven is pleased. If you're here within the sound of my voice today and you've never given your heart to Jesus, why not today? Why not just say, Lord, I want to give you my heart. Trust you as my Savior. Here's my life. I give it to you. And then can you say, Lord, I give you my sorrow. I give you my tears. I give you my heartache. I give you my disappointment. I give you, again, all I am. Here it is. I'm renewing my confidence and faith in God 
and I'm trusting you to do the wise thing. I won't understand it till we get home. One day you'll make it clear to me. Not now, but in the coming years, it may be in the better land. We'll read the meaning of our tears, and then we'll understand. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you that Christ receiveth sinful men, even me with all my sin. We pray that not one person would leave this service without a renewed confidence in God. Even though we do not understand, there are many of us this past year who have gone through deep, deep troubled waters, home problems, family problems, financial problems, pain problems, illness, sudden death of our loved ones. And Lord, to be very truthful with you, we have said in our hearts, why God, I don't understand. We pray that today we might be able to say through tear-dimmed eyes, I still don't understand, but Lord, I trust you. I know your way is wise, your way is best, so I give myself to you afresh, trusting you today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's stand, please. Number 468, without him I could do nothing. 468, this is God's hymn of invitation this morning. 468, as we sing, if God has spoken to your heart, would you let him have his way with you, whatever it means? It may mean something you can settle right where you stand. It may mean coming to the altar to just kneel and pray or making a commitment to the Lord and trusting him to guide you and take care of you. If you're without Jesus, you've never trusted him as your savior, I wanna plead with you to come to Christ today. Trust him as your Lord. While we sing, without him I could do nothing, will you come?